two years ago, President Trump wanted to do a deal to restock our strategic petroleum reserves. A guy named David Aspen reminds us of this. The price at the time that President Trump was willing to spend was $18.84 or 84 cents per barrel. Today, the people who run Joe Biden, uh, they are wanting to do a repurchase deal for some of our oil reserves. And you wonder what the price is? I'll tell you, and I'll also tell you what my campaign would be like for Congress. What would I run on what platform? I'm not going to run. It's not my calling. It's a calling for other people. But where I'd run, what would my platform be like? The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. The ToddHermanShow.com has the t-shirts for now, and I'm anticipating a text or a note from Randy, the gentleman who does our t-shirts, saying, all right, take another break. They're at the ToddHermanShow.com. Click on the store link. I am not the sort of person who should run for Congress uh, for a number of reasons. Number one, I've lived a high risk, sometimes high reward life. And the high risk part would become news. Oh, there were businesses that didn't work out. That's right. Multiple times startup CEOs have some craters and we've got some successes. And that would be news. I don't care about that. I have an audience of one. I have a podcast family, thank God. And I thank you for that. I have an audience of one that's God Almighty, but I know how that would play. My life has been lived on audio, a lot of it. And so it'd be very easy for them to make ads to isolate things I've said. That's okay. I've, I'm not ashamed of anything I've said. Um, now, in my first iterations of radio, I'm, I'm deeply ashamed of some things I said. And I'd admit to those. In fact, I've talked about them back when I wanted to be famous. I said things because I wanted to be famous. Never truly changed my principles, although my principles changed because I was a kid. I went through my libertarian phase, which was silly. But that's not my calling to run for Congress. I get asked about this from time to time because there's very few things I'm good at, but the Lord has made me good at some things. One of them is apparently speaking. And people will sometimes confuse good speaking with ability to work within a world like Congress. And I wouldn't work well there. Because I'm the guy who would sit in a room and go, why are you lying? Kevin, you know, no, I'm not going to call you majority leader. Your name is Kevin. Why are you lying? That's, that's not true. Kevin, I love you as a brother, and I need to know why you're lying to the American people. Because what you're saying is, is absolutely not true. Kevin, do you know it's not true, or can you no longer tell? I'm, I'm concerned. I know that people will say, well, that means you should run if you would say those things. No, because there are people who are truly called for that. If you're walking with God, 
and you're listening to him and you are asking him in his word with fellow Christians in church and once again in his word and listening to the Holy Spirit, you might be being called. I'm not, but you might be. And it is my platform, which could be an outline for people to run, but very few people could run on it. I can't. But if I was going to run, I know what my platform would be. And it's so easy. Even as I sat down to record this podcast, I always have Twitter on. And not because I interact on it a lot anymore. It's Jack Dorsey's hate machine, even though Jack is gone. But because for me, it's a fantastic way to surface content from people who are constantly searching for it. For me, it's crowdsourcing content. This is David Atz, um, David Asman from Fox, apparently. I don't know who he is, but he tweeted this. The Biden administration today is making repurchase deals for our depleted oil reserves at $90 a barrel. Phil Flynn, the writer at MarketWatch, reminds us that two years ago, Democrats refused to let Trump restock this strategic petroleum reserves at 1884 a barrel. They said it would be bailing out big oil at $18.84 per barrel. Right now, they're talking about 90 bucks. This after the people who run the figurehead sold it to a Chinese company that is mobbed up with his uh, sadly meth addicted and probably sexually abused son, Hunter. Because uh, Biden's little Biden's daughter, Ashley, is probably a victim of sexual abuse, given her behaviors in Hunter's and what she has written in her diary and the way Hunter acts. And that's... The tip of the candle on how I would frame a congressional run, it would be on one topic, corruption. It would be on one cure, honesty. Dave Ramsey invented this phrase. I love this phrase. He describes his show as a one problem, one solution show. The problem is debt. The solution is spend less than you make. And it's a simple thing. It can be explained on a business card. What is your show about? My show is about the problem of the people are in debt. And my show is about the solution to get out of debt in a broad sense. And then, of course, Dave is a genius at radio and adds into that the word of God. He adds into that family relations. He's building an incredible legacy and handing the show over to his kids. It's brilliant what he's doing. My approach to run for Congress would be one topic, corruption. One anecdote, truth. And there's a lot of ways to express this. And not to be violent, but it's a target-rich environment. Are we in a recession? Many of you have uh, reported on. um, As Secretary Yellen said on Sunday, uh, two negative quarters of GDP growth is not uh, the technical definition of recession. It's not the definition that economists have traditionally uh, relied on. Uh, There is an organization called the National Bureau of Economic Research. uh, And what they do is they look at a broad range of data and deciding uh, whether or not a recession has occurred. That is the problem. I I see. So the way we've counted recessions in the country for uh, half a century, that's we're we're ending that now because there's an organization. (laughs) 
You're ending it because it's a recession. You're lying. You're changing the language right in front of everybody again. That's not a donkey. That's a cat. That's not a woman. Or pardon me. That's not a man. That's a woman. Why? Because he says so. Joe Biden's not senile. What are you talking about? He's at the height of his intellectual life. And Mr. President, we're getting GDP numbers on Thursday. How worried should Americans be that we could be in a recession? We're not going to be in a recession, uh, in my view. Uh, and, and you're on a soundstage again. I got it. She got the COVID flu, but are you actually in the White House? Are you in a soundstage? Are you in your basement? Are you in a movie set? Where are you? Why are you acting? Why is this theater? It's a target-rich environment. And if I were to run for Congress, I would use sound bites like this. I, my, my campaign would be multimedia. I would give a speech. And I would raise, I would say, everybody, raise your hand if you, if you wake up at night thinking, man, I've got all this excess income, all this excess money. Anyone out there? In this environment, and be honest. I mean, maybe we've got some really wealthy people here. And if you have excess, that's okay. We're not going to steal it from you. We're not, that's not us. We're not Democrats. We're not going to steal it. We're not Antifa. We're not going to rob you. All right. So I see some honest hands. Just a couple hands back here. But they have some um, some excess some excess monies. Now, you can give it to the campaign. Ha, 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 ha. See, Heidi, she runs the fundraising. But the rest of you who keep your hands down, Here's what the boss of the Federal Reserve says. So the U.S. economy is actually in, in pretty strong shape. So if you look back a year, um, the U.S. economy grew more than five and a half percent. It was really the big reopening year. Mm -hmm. And so we had expected this year to be that that growth would moderate to a more sustainable path. Um, we also, of course, are, are raising interest rates. And the aim of that is to slow growth down so that supply will have a chance to catch up. We, we hope that that growth can still remain positive. Um, but if, so if you look at it, it, uh, the strength of the economy, households are in very strong financial shape. They've still got a lot of excess savings from from, you know, forced saving from not being able to travel and things like that. And also forced savings. Is that how you guys feel? You feel like you got forced savings. This is why if you elect me to Congress. I will go after people like Jerome Powell with every legal power Congress has. And no one's going to let me do this. Understand that the Republican leadership is going to be all over me, guys. When you elect me to Congress, I'll go after Powell. I will sit down with him if I'm ever given the opportunity to question him. And I will say, and I'm not going to, oh, well, I guess the rules are I have to call him Secretary Powell. Secretary Powell, define excess savings, excess savings. You said Americans have that. Exactly how much savings is too much for each individual American? And, of course, he's going to backpedal on this. And it's all say something like this. I assumed that you were going to backpedal this way. Why? Because what you said was a lie. Because you haven't determined the net amount of savings that every American needs. Because you can't. Because you're not God Almighty. So when you said it, it was a lie. Would you withdraw that statement, please? Would you withdraw would you admit that you have no idea how much savings the average or how much savings the individual American should have? Will you withdraw that, please? Will you be will you please be truthful, sir? Will you please be truthful? I would take another tact. Chairman Powell, how hurtful do you think it is 
for Americans who are struggling to hear you, a multimillionaire, who's going to get a pension from the Federal Reserve, who will sit on boards, never have to work again. How hurtful do you think it is for, for them to hear you pretend to know that they have excess savings? How hurtful do you think that is, Chairman? In a setting like that, if you elect me to Congress, what I will do is ask them the human questions because I'll be forming the questions from an arena with which they're unfamiliar, which is a godly arena. I would hope with the help of God, let's start with the lies. Thou shalt not. Let's start with the lies because it is such a rich target environment. I would speak of the fact that we live now in a system where there are two dinner tables and I would deliver it something like this. Folks, you remember when we were kids? I don't know. I'm in, uh, I'm in my mid fifties. Anyone here ever have the big family meals where there was the kids table? It was like at a card table. Did you have that too? And the adults would have this big table and you know, that's where the booze would be. When I grew up in the seventies, people drink a lot of booze. And there'd be that table and they'd put us at the card table or sometimes, I don't know if you have, I don't have TV, um, TV trays. Was that what they were called? Is that what they were called? TV trays? And they'd gather the kids in the front room and we'd have all our stuff and all the adults would be out there. Do you notice that that's what we have in this country? And one of the things that I will do in Congress is I will bring people, and this phrase working people, I, I don't like that phrase because we should all be working people. But when we talk about agriculture, you know what I'm going to bring? I'm going to bring farmers. I want you to do the questioning. I don't need staff. I will have as my staff, the input I get from farmers in the state of Idaho. You want agricultural policy? Let's craft it together. And then I'll take it back to Congress. Because you know something? I don't know how to farm. Ask anybody. I can't build things. I'm useless in building things. You can build. You can farm. So I want to know from you. And by the way, don't please don't send me to your lobbyists. Please don't send me to your trade groups. Come and see me. And let's talk together. Because that big person table, I remember, man, thinking, and I asked my mom once, like, how old am I when I get to go away from the kids' table? Oh, probably 12, 13, 14, depending on how many adults there are. And somehow, once I got to the adult table, it wasn't as fun as I thought it would be. But there's this two-table environment, because this is what people think of folks who do not work around computers or writing. Think about it. The agrarian society lasted 3,000 years, and we could teach processes. I could teach anybody, even people in this room, so no offense intended, to, to be a farmer. You, it's a process. You dig a hole, you put a seed in, you put dirt on top, add water, up comes the corn. The information economy is fundamentally different. You have to have a different skill set. You have to have a lot more gray matter. You have to have a lot more gray matter. That's what he just says. We know that's not the case. You take me to Washington, D.C., and you put me back there. I'm going to recognize the gray matter that's in this room. I'll recognize the gray matter it takes to be a logger. Uh, you're not going to catch me falling a big tree. I don't know how to do it. Maybe you guys could show me. I don't know how to run a line, chain line, cut my thumbs off. But I'll take you to D.C. You'll do the questioning. We'll do this together. All, I, all I'm there to be is a representative.
But please understand this about me. I will not violate the word of God. God help me, I will not. The core problem with this country, when people like Mike Bloomberg can think that, that getting um, food from the ground is less important than writing computer code. When you have people like the people who run Joe Biden, who think that just with the swiping of a hand that they can change the definition of recession just because they choose to, is this just they choose to change the definition of man or woman? Or when you have uh, Secretary Powell, Chairman Powell, when you have him deciding how much is excess savings for us, these people have appointed themselves God. And understand this, if you choose to elect me, I will be going to bring God back into the conversation because anytime I get to speak from the House floor, and they may never let me do that. In, th in that case, I'll come back to Idaho and speak and we'll have town halls and I'll, I'll, I'll chat with you personally. I don't need to speak in D.C. I represent you. I don't need to be on Fox News. I represent you. So I will come back and bring, but I'll be taking the word of God back there. And you need to understand this. Please understand this, who you're voting for. You're voting for me, but I can do nothing apart from the father, nothing, nothing separate from the vine. And so if you send me to Congress, I will go back and I will invoke the word of God into everything. And here's why, because there's no secular world because God made all of this, because so many of our problems come from the fact that this country has turned its face from God. And you can go through the Bible from the very first page and see what happens from within with, with Genesis. Within the first five minutes of reading the Bible, you'll see what happens when people turn their face from God and turn their face and, and instead, instead go to the liar. So please understand that. But we live in a country now where the lie is not just about our monies. It's not just about our retirements and, and our, our foreign policy. Guys, we live in a world where the lies now are entering the realm of our bodies. Now, some of you may know this. I used to work in tech. Now, I never, that's not true. I wrote code once. I taught myself how to write this stuff called HTML, which is to build websites. Some of you know what that is a lot better than I do. I taught myself that so I could work with coders and understand them and at least understand how code works. But I never wrote any code in any serious sense, certainly not for pay. But I worked with a lot of these folks. And we're living in a world right now where their world, the creation of code is crossing into our bodies. And this is something that is under misunderstood in importance. They want to code your body. Raise your hand here if you're grand, if you're grand, grandparent, parent. All right. So look around. Just everybody look around. You live in the last generation that is not a target for genetic engineering. I know this sounds frightening and maybe it sounds like a conspiracy theory. And that's another thing I need you to understand is if I observe it to be true, I'm going to say it. I'll try to say it in truth wrapped in grace because that's how God would have us say it. But understand as you look around this room, we live in the last generation of people who are not targets for genetic sequencing. And there's a simple way to say this. And that is to go back to COVID. You heard um, Secretary Powell talk about the excess savings we have because we weren't allowed to travel. He called it forced savings. It was actually being, it was forced jailing is what it was. And in Congress, I'll call that out. I will never rest until the people who did COVID to us are forced to answer for that. Now, as one Congress member, I can't put them in jail or in prison. I can't even bring them in front of a committee, but I will bug every single leader about when we're going to do this. Anytime I see Kevin McCarthy, I'll have my cell phone out. 
If I have one or two staff members, anytime I see anyone in congressional leadership, I'll say, please put your cell phone up. Please get this on video. Hi, Kevin. When are we bringing the COVID criminals in? When are we going to question big pharma CEOs? When is it going to happen, Kevin? I'll say it every single time. That's why they're going to be targeting me. Because I'll be asking them to do their jobs on behalf of the American people. Did I just say genetic engineering? This is the CEO of Bayer. Ultimately, the, uh, the mRNA vaccines uh, are an example for that uh, cell and gene therapy. I always like to say, if we had surveyed two years ago uh, in the public, would you be willing to take a, a gene, th gene or cell therapy and inject it into your body? We would have probably had a 95% refusal rate. I think uh, this pandemic has also opened many people's eyes to, to innovation in the way that uh, was maybe not possible before not possible he didn't say technically possible because it's been technically possible dr robert malone helped invent the system mrna as a medicine delivery system and he's the one who called out these things is so dangerous that man just admitted what we know that these are gene sequencing devices. So remember when I had you raise your hands? Remember when I asked you if you are a um, if you're a grandma, grandpa, or a parent? We live in the last generation of people that is not a target for genetic engineering. See, the people who write code, they now want to mess with the code God wrote. Think of the experiments. Think of when scientists decide because they can, they should. Think of how this has served us in, in the world history. When there's these monumental inventions that are so good, they have to force people to take them. Like the Tuskegee experiment. Remember that? I know we're all supposed to be racist here in Idaho, et cetera. But remember what they did to, to our brothers and sisters, our black brothers and sisters in the Tuskegee experiment? Remember giving people syphilis and letting it uh, mutate in their bodies to see what would happen, testing this on human beings against their will. They did a similar thing in the state of Washington. They tested radiation on prisoners and they didn't tell them. That's recently come out though the dictator of the state next door is trying to hide that. Anytime there's an invention so good, it has to be forced upon people. You can bet that it's not good at all. You can bet that it's dangerous. And they know that. They know that. You see, of course, this is why this template of running for Congress would have to be for someone who's willing to go be hated and not just disliked, but hated. I mean, I guess I'm used to being hated. It's just simply not my calling. Um, it is, it is, oh, such a sloppy transition. Am I really going to do this? However, it is my calling. That's a sloppy, predictable transition. I apologize. Every cent that you paid for the show today in subscriptions. Oh, that's right. We don't charge yet, do we? Never will charge for the core show, only for the video stuff that you know, I know. Um, it is my calling to help with the, the, the reach that the program has to help grow great businesses like Allen's Artisan Soaps. And this particular note is to business owners. Here's something you can do if you buy into the, the, um, the ethos of Allen's Artisan Soaps that every life matters, that you buy into Made in America, Buy Americans, Small Batch Soaps. If you buy into, yes, a 12-year-old boy, Allen just is turning 12, 
can be creative because his olfactory senses are so good. He can invent incredible new soaps like lilac, applewood, pure, which is unscented. My particular favorite, cedarwood, jasmine. There's vanilla lime, lavender, rosemary, watermelon, basil. Things you will not get at Costco. If you're a business owner and you believe in and stand with these 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 notions of building a company specifically meant to help employ people like Alan. If you believe in this, we've created a package for you. It was inspired by a fellow listener. They got in touch with Alan's Artisan Soaps and said, hey, we want to give this stuff away as gifts. Can you help us with this? So they developed something. It's called the DIY Do-It-Yourself Gift Pack. It comes with 24 bars of soap of your choice at 20% off. It includes 24 hand-stamped craft handle bags with 50 sheets of craft tissue paper. And at checkout only, you get this option to add 24 sisal pouches or soap racks or both also at 20% off. And then you just add your business card, a note, and explain to your customers why your business does business with Allen's Artisan Soaps. It was created for you as a way to say, we're betting on life. Here's how to get it. You just go to allensoaps.com slash Todd. Allen is A-L-A-N-S. allensoaps.com slash Todd. You spread the word about life mattering. You spread the message that businesses can do this. And you give people great soap that they can then turn around and give to other people. If I were to run for Congress, I would point out the fact that God Almighty hates favoritism in leaders, in human leaders. Time and again, the Bible warns against favoritism. If you were to send me back to Washington, D.C. as a congressperson, the first promise I make is I will turn down the congressional pension. It is an obscenity that people get a congressional pension after two, four years working in Washington, D.C., and the amount of that pension means they never need to lift their hand and labor again. That's a decision to not work. And people who can't work, of course, we need to care for them, but the Bible's very specific. People who will not work don't eat. I'll turn that pension down. In any budget discussion I'm engaged in, I will remind my colleagues in Congress Everybody remember, we're bankrupt. Everybody remember, none of you have read this bill. Everybody remember, you've got staff who told you what's in it. I'd remind people that in functional businesses, and, and a guy I learned something from in tech named Hadi Partovi used to say the pizza rule. A team is too big when you need two pizzas to feed the team, so break into small teams. None of us have read this. And anything that spends beyond our means deepens us in debt. And the very existence of our food stipends, of our pensions, the very fact that our staff is paid two to three times what the average American is paid points to the fact that we can cut spending. As a member of Congress from the state of Idaho, I don't care what the people of Rhode Island think. I don't care what the, what the, the leadership here thinks. I don't care. I have two audiences. The first is God Almighty. 
The second are the people of the state of Idaho. The state of Idaho, we try to live within our means. And the fact that your staff and my staff are paid two to three times what the average American earns is an obscenity. That's a place we can cut. So as I've said many, many times, I will not vote for any budget that does not cut actual spending. And I don't mean a pretend cut in spending. You guys know that game as well as I do. And I ask you this. For the 10th time, I ask you to sign on to my We Budget Here Like We Do at Home. It's called the Home Budgeting Act. None of you in these halls spend your money the way you spend the money of the American people. None of you. I've looked at your financial disclosure statements. You're all getting rich here. You're all putting money away. All of us are. I won't take the pension. You guys will. So I ask you for the 10th time, sign on to my home budgeting act where we agree that we will not sign any budget that's not like we run our home budgets or we'll put ourselves into bankruptcy. If you want to vote for bankruptcy, then you do it to your families first. You take your families into bankruptcy. You spend seven times what you earn. And if you're not willing to do that in your family, why are you willing to do it to the families of Americans? Why? Because you live in a lie. Because, and I hate to say it this way, because you've, you've grown to worship, you've grown to worship the power that comes with the money. I've lived that before. See, if I were to run for Congress, I would need to take things back about favoritism like that. I would need to call people out in ways that might seem really rough. I might need to bring in to the degree that I'd ever be allowed. I might need to bring in bosses of other departments. Like the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. This is an FDA executive. What, what I am uh, appearing to be maybe defensive about is I do not think castigating the FDA employees is the appropriate um, approach to reforming an organization. Well, then I would say this, FDA employee. What is castigating, sir? Please explain that. What does castigating mean? Would a synonym be criticizing, sir? What is the line between castigating and criticizing, sir? Is it your testimony that you do not know? Okay, fair enough. I understand you used a word that you may not be completely familiar with. Um, and that happens. I, I'm not trying to, to belittle you. I understand. Sometimes people use words that way. Here's what I will ask you, sir. The FDA gets 60% of its budget from Big Pharma. Who do I castigate for putting your agency into a clear, unmitigated conflict of interest. Who do, I, who do I criticize, sir? Sir, your agency asked, demanded, went to court to try to hide the results of the Pfizer testing for 95 years. Can you explain to me how the American people can view that as anything other than trying to cover your behind? Now, this is one of the reasons I probably shouldn't go to Congress. A, I'm not qualified. B, I'm not being called. C, I just fell into the devil's trap. Honestly, you guys, as I was just imagining that conversation, I grew, to, I, I grew hatred in my heart. 
So repent of that. I experienced a lot of hatred when I was in D.C. A lot of regret when I realized what I'd done. I've been there. I did my turn. But some people are being called to do that. And a framework that's based upon the word of God, a framework that's based upon the corruption, a framework that recognizes lies as the official policy, the lingua franca of DC is a policy that can win, but it's not complete enough. The completion of this campaign focus or this structure, this architecture, this platform is to recognize something else that we are not to recognize and that the Republican Party will shriek running into closets if anyone ever goes to Washington, D.C. and tries to do what I'm about to demonstrate. But it is what I would do were I to run for Congress, which I won't. Todd Herman Show shirts. This is a way to help the show in the following ways. Number one is revenue. We are $9 for shirts. The shirts themselves are 29 bucks. Oh, pardon me, 10 bucks per shirt. Sorry. Um, It helps me. It helps Dave. It helps Julie. Um, It helps Jerry. It helps Michelle who sell advertising because it will help the show grow. That's a side effect. The main effect is we want you to be able to start a conversation about taking the knee to the Lord. That's what's on the front of the shirts. There's two shirts to choose from. And yes, the name of the show's on the back, the ToddHermanShow.com. It also gives you an opportunity to talk about our, 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 our paying partners, people like Alan Soap. So I just talked about Bulwark Capital Management, Soda Weight Loss, American Finance, right? The people who pay money for us to introduce you to them. It's an opportunity as well to open the conversation about why a lion? Because it is a way to introduce people to that existing and will always exist personality of the Lord. Now, we've been so blessed with listeners and people sharing this show and continuing to help us grow this show as we've seen 15% end over end increases in downloads per episode. Thank you for that. And as we continue on this journey together, this is a way as well for you to take the show to friends who've never seen it. And in fact, strangers in stores. So you go to the toddhermershow.com, You hit the store link, buy the shirts, buy as many as you need for the family, multiple sizes, of course. And we get that help. So the last part of this is deeply connected to the word of God. And the last part of this would be an address I would give if I ever got the opportunity to speak in Congress, though I'm not running. And it would be an address that would end any hope I'd ever have of being in congressional leadership, which would not be a goal. And before I get to this, I know the panic that the New York Times is trying to create about what they've decided to call Christian nationalism. I know people on the right who want Christian nationalism. I don't. I would like to see a return to Christian-based leadership, but I'm also aware of the fact that we can work with people who are not Christian towards the goals of managing a civil society. We have to. We're a nation of 330 million people. 
We're a nation that needs to recognize this. I get that, of course. Some of the, the people I most admire in business are not Christian. I hope one day they will be. And I pray for opportunities to witness to them so that they could get to that point. And maybe I could be a small part of that. But we need to recognize that. And still, if I were to run for Congress, I'd already mentioned you'd be electing someone who would go back to share the word of God and bring God into the public square. And it's this last bit that would so outrage people. I would declare that this nation and its government, not, not the people, many of the people have just been drug along. Many of the people practice apathy or they keep their head down because they don't want to go against the crowd. But this nation, the party, most of the media and a good portion of Washington, D.C. has declared war against God's creation. So God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The universal statements about counting every hair on our head before we were born, knowing us before we had names. We've declared war on the creation of men and women. This nation is funding it. This government is funding it. State governments are funding it. And I will say this, we will not return to prosperity. We cannot return to prosperity while we try to fight a war against God Almighty. And do I need to provide the examples that we're fighting a war against God Almighty? Okay, I will provide some. Dr. Levitino, we'll begin with you. Welcome. Thank you, Chairman and members of the committee. Um, I only have five minutes, so I'm going to get right to it. Second trimester D&E abortions perform between roughly 14 and 24 weeks of gestation. Your patient today is 17 years old. She's 22 weeks pregnant. Her baby is the length of your hand plus a couple of inches. And she's been feeling her baby kick for the last several weeks, but she's asleep on an operating room table. You walk into that operating room scrubbed and gowned, and after removing laminaria, you introduce a suction catheter into the uterus. This is a 14 French suction catheter. If she were 12 weeks pregnant or less, basically the width of your hand or smaller, you could basically do the entire procedure with this. But babies this big don't fit through catheters this size. After suctioning the amniotic fluid out from around the baby, you introduce an instrument called a sofa clamp. It's about 13 inches long. It's made of stainless steel. The business end of this clamp is about two and a half inches long and a half inch wide. There are rows of sharp teeth. This is a grasping instrument. When it gets a hold of something, it does not let go. A DNA procedure is a blind abortion, so picture yourself introducing this and grabbing anything you can blindly and pull, and I do mean hard, and out pops a leg about that big, which you put down on the table next to you. Reach in again, pull again, and pull out an arm about the same length, which you put down on the table next to you. And use this instrument again and again to tear out the spine, the intestines, the heart and lungs. Head in the baby that size is about the size of a large plum, can't see it, but you pretty good idea you've got it if you've got your instrument around something and your fingers are spread about as far as they go. You know you did it right if you crush down on the instrument and white material runs out of the cervix. That was the baby's brains. Then you could pull out skull pieces. And you have a day like I had a lot of times, sometimes a little face comes back and stares back at you. Congratulations, you just successfully performed a second trimester d abortion. You just affirmed her right to choose. A nation that is deciding to declare war on God's cherished beings is a nation that's going to watch as it's no longer about babies. That all human beings are made by their creator and endowed by him with certain inalienable rights. The first listed in our declaration is the right to life. And since the medical doctor here 
uh, wants to deny the facts and reality, let me ask the abortion advocate, Ms. Arambide, to answer my questions on this subject. Ma'am, you testified that you are, quote, unapologetic in seeking unrestricted abortion access. So I'm wondering, at what point is it not okay to abort a child? What, what age of gestation? I trust all people to determine what they can and can't do with their bodies. Full stop. Okay. I also believe that human rights, um, including access to the medical care, medical care that they need within their communities, is something that should be afforded everyone. Great. Okay. So you, you support late-term abortion? I support all people and trust That means late-term abortion. Do you support partial birth abortion? In other words, the child is half-delivered, and then the woman says... My right, I want to take that one out. You support that? I trust people to make decisions about wow. the body. Wow, okay. What, what about, um, so, so abortion should be allowed then, by your definition, for any reason, for any purpose, at any stage, right? I trust people to make decisions about their body, and then when relevant, I think that they need to consult their medical practitioners okay. and not is, Congress. If it is, listen, let me just ask you this question. If it is not lawful and morally acceptable to take the life of a 10-year-old child, I assume you agree with that, right? That would be wrong, correct? I believe that Okay, that is and wrong. a 2-year-old child, same thing, that would be murder. We would all agree that's wrong. Then what is the principal distinction between the human being that is 2 years old or 9 months old or 1 week old or an hour old than one that is 8 inches further up the birth canal in the utero? What, what's the difference? Why is it okay in the latter case and not the former cases? I trust people to determine what to do with their own bodies. Wow. Full stop. Wow. Full stop indeed. And that describes right there exactly what this is about. There's a legal issue here, but un underneath that is a moral issue. It's about reality. It's about science, the advancement of medical technology. You're talking about unborn children. And your, your full stop is that you will support the termination of that child at any time. And that is frightening. And that is why... This decision should be turned to the popular will of the people, and hopefully they'll protect the sanctity of every single human life and live up to the standards of our Declaration of Independence. So you'll back. One piece missing. A person like that confronted with God and God's word. Be interesting to see how she would defend herself when confronted with God's word. There can be no separation. There is no secular world. Now, there's a lot more I'd run on. <laughs> there was a great, fantastic piece I once watched about what it would be like to be an actual conservative running uh, for Congress. And it went along the lines of, people ask me if I'm a Second Amendment supporter. I am, in fact, I'm armed today. Would you like to see? These are the guns I carry because it is my right. Furthermore, because I'd like to be able to defend myself. Because God gave us the life, gave us life as the first gift, liberty and pursuit of happiness. And I'm not going to be happy if someone comes and takes a shot at me and my security detail can't stop it. Although I do trust them better than I trust myself. I would definitely run on that. I would absolutely run on tax cuts, but in the form of not creating favoritism. But I would organize everything down to corruption, even the Second Amendment. I rise today on the floor of the House 
to give my colleagues who are against the right to self-defense with the weapon of my choice an opportunity to display their consistency. The opportunity to go first. I introduce the no security bill. This is a very simple bill. What it states is people here who vote to strip the American people of their rights to certain weapons will make certain that no one in their security detail carries any such weapon. Madam Speaker, as I am required to refer to you, this would include the AR-15s and the submachine guns that guard you because you're in the line of command. Will you sign the bill, Madam Speaker, to see that your security team no longer carries magazines with more than six rounds, Madam Speaker? I speak to everyone here who has voted to strip the American people of access to certain tools. The American people who do not get security like this Congress gets. The bill is one page. My leadership has not allowed me to introduce it. And so I've started an online petition to demand that leadership have it introduced. Now I speak to my Republican colleagues. The House Minority Leader, as I'm directed to call him during these sessions, would not bring this for a vote. The gentleman is out of order. The gentleman is out of order. And I will remain out of order. It's not my calling. But do you feel it in your heart? Is God calling you? It may not be that Congress is your first step. It may be that it's the school board or the zoning commission. All the left plays all sorts of havoc with the zoning commission. But here's what I would ask. When I was in business, no matter what I was doing, how big of the deal, how interesting, I always had dreams of doing this. Well, talk radio, actually. And I did that for a decade. Always had dreams of this. God put in my head when we determined that for our daughter's safety, we needed to move to the state of Idaho. God put in my head because I was worried about how will I earn a living? And God said, why do you worry? Can you add one day by worrying? Do you not know that I take care of the sparrows in the field? God put it in my head. You'll do radio from a broom in Idaho. And here I sit now recording what is effectively a radio show from a room in Idaho to this podcast family. That dream never left me. God speaks very, very rarely through dreams, but he speaks through his word. He speaks through fellow Christians. He speaks through the spirit. That never left me. And then I realized that I was not using the great privilege of radio to speak God's word. Why else would God give me the platform? Why indeed? If you feel this in your heart, it may be the work that God is calling you to join. If it is, it's not a good idea to say no to the Lord when he calls you to work with him. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and be mindful to pray to the Lord that he would make clear the ways in which he wants you to join him in work.